This is the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast, helping you run your restaurant better. Welcome back to the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast. Thank you guys out there for joining us. I know that, um, as I say every time, you guys have a lot of choices on uh, how you spend your time and energy, so we appreciate you guys spending a little bit of time with us on the show when we post one of these episodes. Today, I am joined by one of the best restaurant operators I know, and I'm not just saying that because he's my friend, but uh, I've got uh, close to 20 years with uh, with our guest today that I've got to watch him at a couple of different brands uh, grow his career and uh, continue to operate restaurants. And so... I am joined by the one and only Randy Sharp. Uh, Randy, for those that uh, aren't familiar with you, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, maybe even where we met, and we can talk a little bit of fun fun uh, old school stories from 15 or 20 years ago. I actually just was going through some pictures uh, some pictures from Cabo, and uh, and your, your face popped up, so I'll text them to you later. But, uh, but uh, why don't you let everybody know who you are, and then we can talk about what you get to do day in and day out with uh, XRG. Sure. Well, I mean, you, you, you already made, I don't want to ruin your introduction, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Randy Sharp, a restaurant veteran of going on 30 years. And um, I started out a million years ago, um, what it feels like a million years ago in the industry. And from there, more of a independence. And then Jeremy, Jeremy and I met, I think it was, in, it's probably been, uh, I joined a, a little restaurant chain at the time and have grown to about 50 restaurants um, in its heyday, Elephant Bar restaurants. I joined them in 2000 and then um, grew my career from an assistant manager to um, end up um, moving on to a different, pursue a different um, opportunity. I was an area director in new restaurant openings and that's where I believe we met. I think we actually met in Cabo and one yep. of our, our great uh, company retreats down there that many um and um i think we actually met when we were on a, going on a nice long jog we did we did that was a fun jog in cabo early in the morning when everybody's hung over early in the morning and everyone the night before thinks they're they all commit jeremy and i were were the two that actually felt follow through we're sitting there at 6 a.m waiting for everyone else to show up and um i think that's when we started conversing and since then I would say I spent about 13 years growing my career at Elephant Bar. And when I, I moved on um, to a few different opportunities and we re-caught re up, I was the um, Senior Vice President of Operations for Romano's Macaroni Grill. Yep. You're, you're working directly with them, jumped in there and helped um, move that project forward where we got North Star integrated and got crunch time and got all kinds of fun. Real, you know, a lot of really good progress made then. Um, and as I joined that and proceeded to want to make that a long-term career where I wanted to help take that brand and turn it around and, and bring it back to its relevance, I was um, tapped on the shoulder um, where an investment company was buying what was Realmex restaurants what, what we would say would be the good parts of what it was um it at one point it was 200 restaurants and i think at this point they were buying 52 of them they wanted to turn it around and i had spent three years and prior prior to that as vp of ops for one of the brands at real max and after sitting down and going through it and really um you know looking at that opportunity including the ability to create my own team 
and you know form our own little restaurant company and, and grab something that we know would would do well with the right attention and love and uh, growing it. I, I jumped on the opportunity and, and the big team we took over um, those fifty two restaurants. As of today, we're at seventy two. Yep. Okay, we got four years of um, going on year five or four four years four and a half years later. We've we've grown by you know a little over thirty percent. Um, and you know, nineteen was a banner year. Twenty twenty was twenty twenty. COVID. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we survived. Didn't close. A, didn't close a single restaurant. Didn't lay off a single manager or above through that, which really our calling card on our performance through COVID. And then twenty twenty one was the best year the company's ever had, which allowed us to open sixty restaurants last year. Um, organically, we have three more in the hopper to open up in Q one. Close to probably Q1, although I'll be open up ah, Q2, Q1, Q2. And then we just acquired a six restaurant chain in beautiful uh, um, outskirts of Fort Worth, Texas, which you know now. And uh, I do. Super excited about it. I'll be spending quite a bit of time in the great state of Texas. Uh, but we're just, you know, we're, we're just excited to where we're at. We're super humble. We, we know the group that runs this company has all come up the ranks. We've all um, learned. You know, what we feel is the right way to do business here, which is taking care of your partners and taking care of your guests. Um, and it's paid off to a point where we're still looking at acquisitions and we're still looking at um, growth. I was actually on the East Coast until late last night um, in New York and uh, Washington, D.C., looking at potential sites to continue our growth. I love it. I love it. So, um you talked about Realmax, and and I know there's been a lot a lot of storied history. the The brand that you inherited, and I I say you inherited, obviously it was an investment group that that owned it, but the brand that you got to take over was not in the base, best place. I mean, they they had been declining sales, they had been declining, you know. The, I mean, you and I have talked offline, not on the podcast, sure. but just about the brands that you guys took over and the brands. Yeah. I guess for those that aren't familiar with Realmax, which is now XRG, give 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 our audience a little bit of the brand name so that they might be a little bit more familiar with the 72 restaurants. And then we can talk about really what you inherited and kind of how you took some of those same core principles that you just talked about of taking care of your guests, taking care of the, the team members and taking care of your partners and how it changed the change the trajectory of where you guys are at to be able to have the success you've had. But t- let's talk about the, the brands. What are the brands that sure. you guys run at this point? Well, we run 11 now. Yeah, um, I know. It's crazy. Eleven. We inherited five. No, seven. Sorry. You always lose track of a couple one-offs. So we inherited seven brands. El Torito's a big one. Um, it's it's 32 restaurants strong. Then you got Chevy's Fresh Mex, Acapulco restaurants, just a little small, um, SoCal chain. Um, Las Brisas, everyone's heard of Las Brisas in Morgan Beach. And then... You've got the Cinegual in New York. You've got Husong and Larry's in Vancouver, Washington, which is a spinoff of El Torito. Um, and then you got El Torito Grill, um, which is now, you know, down to one restaurant. Um, we acquired it. We had two that we've since converted into one of our other brands that we acquired in 19. So th- those are the base brands we acquire or we came into fruition for El Torito. And then um, with the success of 19 brought on the, the, the opportunity to acquire Sol Cocina and Solita Tacos and Margaritas. Yep. But to your point, getting back to end of 18, 19, is I think when we came in, we had about three weeks to get to know um, the, the shape of the business prior to um, the actual acquisition going through and the investors buy, purchasing. And they're down about 9% in sales, which was pretty big. 
Um, the funny thing, and this is just crazy, and I think just uh, this is just a testament to the team that we we had and, and the excitement of us coming in. Uh, obviously, we had quite a few relationships with people that were at Romex, and we acquired the brands in October, um, the end of October of eighteen. November of 18, we were up in sales yep. and it, it was, it was starting to get the systems and standards in place right away. And it started to run. And, you know, I think the first year or first month we were close to being down in sales was February of 19. And if you, if you I don't know if you remember February of 19 in um, California, it's like now with the rain. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, we're, well, and, we and you guys up. were super West coast heavy because so yeah. many of the brands were on the West coast. So yeah, almost everything's West coast or was West coast. We've since expanded, but it was one of those situations we were still up. So we just started that run and it was really, you know, the core principles was what I mentioned before. It was um, really, you know, be that, be that operator slash that company, that employer that people want to work for. Super yep. important. Um, do right by your guests and, and, you know, too often that gets understated where, you know, people, you know, that old cliche customer is always right. Well, they may or may not be, but it doesn't matter. They're spending their money mm-hmm. um, and take care of them. And then the other, the big thing was the condition of the restaurants was not great. It, it yeah. was, we inherited a, a, some brands that um, I, I think the bones are great, but they just weren't taken care of. So we started a remodel process with El Torito. Goal was to remodel all the restaurants within the first year we got close and, and, until COVID hit and we got to pause that. We were pretty much there. There's only a few left that hadn't been remodeled. Um, and that just, that's, that started the brand and just really yep. show the guests that we love. We love the brands. We love our people and we love our guests. And then we hit the menus and, and um, really spent quite a bit of time looking at what worked and what didn't work and what was great at one point. And, and one of the things that I, I saw, you know, early on was the previous regime had really gone more focused on food cost versus food quality. And that both. So we fixed that. And, you know, and so within the first three months, we remodeled three restaurants, revamped the entire menu, re-rationalized staffing needs for our restaurants to make sure that was focused on guests first um, and just really focused, I believe, on the right things. And. Um, we're rewarded and, um, you know, the thing took off. So we launched the, the Chevy's remodel project shortly after same, same result. You, you saw anywhere from a 15 to 20% lift, sometimes 30 in some, in the restaurants that were renovated. And they, cause these restaurants have been around 20, 30 years and, um, they hadn't been remodeled in 20 or 30 years in many of them. Correct. It seems like yeah. Yeah, that's carpeting 20 years ago is what we think. And, uh, huh. You know, then again, 19 turned into be that banner year where we were able to have the comp get the confidence in our investors to actually start looking at acquisition. So mm-hmm. that's when um, we were able to um, negotiate a, a great acquisition in Seoul, Cocina, and Salida, Tacos, and Margaritas. And there were six restaurants, four Souls, two Salidas at the time of acquisition. Not the best time in the world to acquire a company, uh, end of November of 2019, shortly. Yeah, exactly. That sort of derails or at least pauses your plans of growth and and um so acquired them and then shortly after um the uh pandemic um really you know actually put, took a big bite and the one thing that was super interesting is el torito and aquacoco and chevy's had a pretty um pretty robust takeout program um had to really dig in quick because that was something that was a little bit broken too and we're working on fixing it we fixed it quick 
to where the automation and the ease of guests, the experience yep. from online ordering and whatnot. But Soul and Sully didn't have anything. They didn't have any takeout program at all. So that well, was because they were local neighborhood, really high volume. I mean, I, I know right. the brands and they were all in California in the middle of the pandemic. It was it must have been tough. Yeah, we didn't want to we didn't want to shut them down. We wanted to keep our employee, we you know, keep the managers on and then have room, have a place for the the hourly staff to um, run to when when you reopen. And so we created that takeout program pretty quick. We got creative and continued to look at how to pivot through it. And fast forward, when all said and done, we had six souls to leaders. We have 12 now. Yep. And we are opening um, two, two more souls. We're opening a soul in New York on Fifth Avenue and then in Boston in um, um, the famous Back Bay area of Boston. That's and awesome. Then, you know, they're in the next six to eight weeks, depending on when Mr. Construction tells me he's done. But, uh, you know, so that that's really our story. And it really just is a great group of people to work with, great team. We're still looking to acquire other companies as long as it matches you know, who we are and our DNA. And, and we're always looking for opportunities to open new ones. That's great. Um, so I'm going to ask you real quick, Randy, because I was on the inside. I, I, I was a consumer of the brands before you guys took them over. And um, there was a perception um, of it being a value-based chain. And, you know, there was a lot of discounting going on when you guys took over. There was a lot of um, a lot of discounting. And I know at one point my family wouldn't go to El Torito unless I got a discount because it was one of those brands that you would get a coupon in the mail, you know, kind of like Bed Bath & Beyond. Talk to me a little bit about how you guys fought your way through that so that everybody wasn't waiting for the coupon to drop. That that Because when you and I grew up and were growing up in the restaurant industry, El Torito was like the place to go hang out. It was the place to go have margaritas after work. And then it turned into kind of this, you know, the, the energy wasn't there, but not anymore. And I know you guys have turned that around, but talk to me a little bit about how you guys evaluated that, that value, you know, value proposition to the guests without having a discount heavily to get it. Yeah. So good point. I remember discount line was pretty, really high about five or 6%. And one thing that, that I saw on a regular basis is like six FSIs those freestanding inserts that you would, you know, hit your mailbox, um, go out. It was, the, 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 they were really, they, they were really hooked on them. And, yep. you know, discounts are like drugs. You get hooked and it's hard to get off of them. And you had to infuse, you had to give the guests a different reason to come. And you had to do the work. The menu needed work. Staffing needed work. The buildings needed work. And that was really our, our standpoint from day one. Um, you know, making sure that the guests wanted to order online, it was easy. So we had to give them different reasons. Once everything was able to get in place, El Torito stands, you know, and the other brands start standing on their own. Um, we don't do it. We don't do emphasizing. So we're able to effectively eliminate that and move from a marketing, you know, marketing has a bunch of different facets that the, the mark, you know, couponing and discounting is one form. It's really transactional marketing. Uh-huh. We, we really were able to transition to experiential marketing where it's really more image based. We want to show off our beautiful buildings. Now we want to show off our beautiful food. want to want to really just show the lifestyle pictures of what's going on in the restaurants when you're there. So it really went from transactional. We'll give you a discount. Please come in um, and we'll give you, you know, the markdown on the restaurants and then to now where it's pretty much full retail there's a there's yep. a royalty program that's great and that rewards long-term guests, but that's super small, super small piece compared to before. 
it would be hard pressed to find a guest that wasn't coming in from with it without a coupon in hand. Well, and again, that was what you, I mean, you guys turned that around, which ultimately turns around gross margin and it turns around, you know, your profitability, which gives you the cash flow to, to grow, which I, I think is a bold move because a lot of restaurants and, you know, I've been around for a long time watching, they discount themselves to death and then nobody shows up. And then your clientele start to not come in anymore when you stop yep. offering the discounts. Yeah, and the other thing that they do is they, and I've been part of some brands in the past where they wanted to get away from discounts. It's a great plan if you have a right strategy. Yeah. And I've seen it too often where I say, hey, we're going to eliminate this, but no strategy. Mm-hmm. If you don't give your guests a different reason to come and you try to peel that off, you better have a lot of money in the bank. <laughs> yeah, you you better have a big backstop because you're you're gonna be hurting. It's it's a it's a long curve to get to where you need to be and be successful. So um, you know, it, it we we weren't gonna do it until we were ready and we eased off of it. And now it's one of those things where you know value is always an equation, right? It's yeah. um what you pay is part of that, your experience is part of that, you know, what you walk out feeling is part of that. And I think that um guests still feel they're getting a great value at El Torito without having to have a coupon in their hand anymore. Yeah. I love that. You threw out the, 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 um, the concept of, of an experience and for anybody that's been to Laguna beach and been to Las Brisas, it's an experience regardless of when you've been, whether it was this, you know, leadership or different leadership, Las Brisas has always been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the privilege to go to Seoul. Um, and I had been to, you know, before, prior to your guys's leadership, but I watched both on social media and I watch, even for myself, when I consume your brands, it's a place to go and it's a place to see and it's a place to be seen. Talk to me a little bit about how you guys think about that guest experience and creating a place that people want to talk about being at. Because I think that's part of the aura of getting in to these places is when you go to Seoul and, and Newport Beach or whatever, like it's the place that people want to be seen and they want to go hang out and they want to go enjoy because it is part of the lifestyle. It's part of taking a selfie, you know, on Instagram and posting it. How do you guys consider that? Because that, again, is a very different methodology than what you inherited five years ago. What we inherited five years ago was feeding people. <laughs> yep. What it was just about food. Oh, <laughs> sustenance. There, there's no difference between that and going to or fast fashion. Not to yep. knock those places. They're great. Um, but they serve a purpose. There's not, they're not experiential. Um, and El Chirito was built on experience, built on, like you mentioned, you and I growing up, we went there for birthdays, holidays, brunch, you yep. name it. We went there for a specific reason. It turned into, Hey, you know, nine ninety nine taco deal, which doesn't, um, doesn't hold on. Sorry, Jerry. Okay. You're good. Can you plug that in from somewhere? <laughs> There's an extension cord right there. Sorry. I got, I got technical help. So we don't die. Here. Well, anyways. You're fine. Um, it turned it turned in from from you know that to to you know it wasn't the same and we we it wasn't going to survive on this. and everything yeah. we focus on right now is how people feel when they leave the restaurant. It's not about just food. It's about food. It's about experience. It's about um, treating your guests like family. It's about I went to Seoul and Newport Beach. Amazing service. Great food. Great beverage the ambiance was amazing it just made it a special experience for my anniversary yeah. or whatever for birthday for an anniversary for just a business dinner whatever and and it, you become the destination for that. i think that's what people want and i can tell yeah. you right now there's takeout that's still 
part of our business is about 10% of our business. It obviously grew to 100% during the pandemic and was at 20 for a while. It's about 10%, which is about 5% higher than it was before. So you have that piece of the business you need and love. Just got to make sure your fruit quality is high. But you have the other piece that is the memories. And that's what people, especially you know, coming out of the pandemic, were looking for. They were looking for a, an experience and a reason to go out. And it was our responsibility to take care of them. And, um, you know, throughout these entire five years, one thing we never um, take for granted is guests have a lot of choices out there. Um, money is not unlimited to anyone. And yeah. if you're going to get them to come in, you better appreciate every visit. And they're make special. And I, our team yeah. understands that. Our team understands that. And, and that's our focus. And we always can get better and learn. And one of the things we try to do is stay humble and understand that, hey, it's never going to be perfect for very few times, but we want to make it great. And we really yeah. focus on the great side of that versus um, versus perfect. Perfect's something you'll never, got thanks, we'll never hit. Um, you can be great, meaning they can have a great experience, whether this little thing happened or that little thing happened, or they didn't get the exact seat they wanted, or they didn't get the, you know, their, their, their food could have been a little hotter. But us being on top of it and taking care of their experience, they come back. So, yep. Super important. And, and again, we talk about that a lot on the show is just get, creating a good guest experience through technology, through people, through process, through systems is exactly why restaurants exist. Because if not, then they can get the same calories from McDonald's or Burger King or Subway, but they're paying two or three X for Seoul in Newport Beach because they're getting a better experience. You know, that's a good point on the technology side because that's one of the things that would definitely. You know, you think about these brands and some of them were have been 68 years old. And so I think some of them were created in the 80s like Chevy's and our technology was sub 80s <laughs> when uh -huh. we took over. Yeah. And we we said you never want technology to interfere with the guest experience. You want it to enhance the guest experience. And these are experiential restaurants or they are places people go um, for special occasions. But if we don't have technology, you're going to fall behind. You're going to lose. You just can't. You can't physically muscle through. Las Brisas will do north of four hundred thousand dollars a week in the summertime. Yeah, you cannot muscle through something like that unless you have technology as your. And one of the things we did at Las Brisas um, coming out of the pandemic, we were able to grow. Um, now permanent um, extra eighty seats that that and transform part of our parking lot into this beautiful we call the rose garden out there. But then you think, well, all that how's all that food going to come out of the kitchen? Uh huh. Well, we um, uh, launched KDS and launched Bar KDS and launched um, um, technology and really looked at the back end of, of this. How does how the back end of this that the guest doesn't see going to actually help us grow? And that's one of the things that we're always looking at. We're always excited about trying, um, you know, with with the very sensitive lens that we want to make sure that the guest doesn't feel like they're being served ever by a robot. But you're using, you're leveraging technology to be able to set them. And, and we weren't doing those sales before KDS, and we couldn't we couldn't do them without it. Right now. Yep. Yeah. No. And and. Um... The one thing that I've always appreciated about you, Randy, is just the the fact that you embrace technology to solve business problems. You're not a you're I mean you're an executive that truly understands the value of technology. A lot of other CEOs that I've worked with in the past, they just I don't know, it's somebody else's problem. Just go figure out how to make it better. I just want to be able to do whatever it is I want to do as a business. But you you've always been really good about embracing and understanding that technology is an enabler 
to do four hundred thousand dollars a week in sales at Las Brisas on a, on you know on a summertime week in Laguna Beach, which again is is a hard thing to do without having systems in place to do that. You know, I appreciate that, but uh, you know, spending that time with Pablo, even though it was really for drinks and exercise, and mm-hmm. he, some of the same folks that we've grown up with. Um, that, that are on the technology side, we're really obsessed with operations, but you just spend time. And I learned early on that it's such a hand in hand, um, relationship. And if you have the right, um, IT folks that work with you that are really focused on, um, making sure it's an experience for your guests, they're going to teach you why everything is so important. And then you learn it. And then in my mind right now, today's operator, if they don't use and leverage and are always looking for the best technology to improve their guest experience, they're going to fall behind. Yeah. Yep. And you're not going to be able to deliver on the brand promise that you talked about. There's no, there's no chance anymore to do that. There's just too many, um, there's too many um, variables out there that if you don't have the right technology in your business, you're going to, you're going to struggle at some point. And your competitors are doing it. So you got to figure it out. So, yeah. Um, so you talked about acquiring Soul and Salita in you know nineteen right before the pandemic. You guys just recently acquired. I happen to ironically not because I even I chose it, but because a customer chose it to go to the brand that you guys acquired here in in Fort Worth. Talk to me a little bit about what the brand acquisition strategy is. I know you guys are all Mexican at this point. Is that kind of where you guys are staying? Are you guys looking for small local brands? Are you guys looking for large brands? Are you guys looking for medium sized brands? Talk to me a little bit about what that uh, what that strategy looks like and how you guys are trying to continue to grow, not just organically, because you guys are growing organically. The brands that you guys have, you guys are opening up new stores every day, every week, every month, but you also are looking to have strategic acquisitions where it makes sense. Talk to me a little bit about what that looks like and uh, and what should those listeners be out there looking for and thinking about when they talk about XRG? Well, fun fact on that. So we actually, part of um, this acquisition that we just mentioned in Texas that just literally... <laughs> Inks not even dry yet. It was a couple weeks ago. Um, there's six restaurants in the whole. Four of them are Tex-Mex, which fits what we've done, what we knew well. There's actually two of them that are called the Rim, and they're not Tex-Mex. They're our first endeavor into um, you know craft cocktails, craft food that you know quote unquote gastropub um, feel, live entertainment. So they're they're smaller footprints, but they're really a bar forward concept. So that would um, that would uh, kind of lend into what our strategy is. Our strategy is we want something that matches um, quality of operation and, um, you know, quality of culture. And we, we wouldn't buy anything that would jeopardize what we currently have, meaning there's a, there's brands out there's plenty of brands out there and quite a few of them can, can be up for acquisition. But if the, the, they're, you know, struggling to a point where it might put a, a strain on our current company, we probably would stay away. Um, mm-hmm. If we felt the quality was there, and we felt the opportunity for growth was there, and we thought the people really represented, um, you know, who we are. It's hard to buy a company that doesn't have the right people in it, or yep. to the right people. Then, then we would look at it. And, and size, you know, that, that was a six restaurant chain. We we would look bigger if it lent itself and we would look outside Mexican if it lent itself, but it really has to have some of those key attributes. We're not, we, I think, um, CFO is counting there. I think we looked at 40 companies in last year. Wow. Um, and you know, we've, we had one, you know, acquired one in 19 and we just acquired our second. So it's, it's yeah. a pretty, pretty, uh, um, stringent lens that we go through to make sure it's right for our company. Um, we're, we're pretty, 
pretty, you know, uh, obsessed, obsessed in a good way with, um, our, our company's success and, and, and continued success. And, um, and so we want, want to make sure we make the right decisions. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to ask you to, to forecast you and I've been doing this for a long time. Where's the restaurant industry heading? We've seen a lot of change since the pandemic, you know, since you really took over this brand, we've had so much pivot. Um, where's the restaurant industry heading? Is it heading to a place where we're hiring people from hospitality and technology is doing its technology thing? Oh, what happened there? Hold on. Yeah, yeah you're good. Okay, there you go. Okay. Yeah. So where, where, where is the industry heading? Yeah, where's the industry heading? Well, like, what do you think? What do you think the industries? What are our kids? I mean, your kids and my kids are in the same age demographic. What are they going to experience when they either get into the workforce and they're managing restaurants and running restaurants? What is going to be different from what we grew up with or or what we're dealing with now? Is it just the advent of technology and allowing us to figure out where guests are at and help deliver on the brand promise? Is it robots in the kitchen helping us cook food and measure things? Is it uh, KDS that's 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 delivering? You know, I mean, I, I see a utopian world where I see Randy walking in from the parking lot and I know who he is. I know that he loves margaritas with, you know, salt on the rim and, and you know, on the rocks margaritas with salt. And he likes, you know, high level tequila. So I'm going to make sure that that's ready for him when he walks in on a Tuesday night. Like, is that what you see? That, that technology is going to enable us to do what you and I were trained to do but can only do at a small micro scale. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about where you think things are going. So I think you're going to get a little bit of both. I think um, from a fast casual um, slash quick casual slash that world, you're going to continue to see a lot more automation just with the labor, the labor, you know, headwinds and everything you have going on. There's a lot of, there's a tremendous opportunity for when people are going to get a meal for it to become a little more seamless and mm-hmm. from an experiential. I think you nailed it to where Jeremy Julian makes a reservation and the restaurant will know your favorite drink, your favorite mm-hmm. appetizer the restaurant, meaning to get the, the servers because it's going to, you know, it's going to, you're going to have your profile there. And we're already, we're already working on that, you know, quite a bit and we're getting close, but then you look at our kids and say, by, by the time they're, they're, in our seats they, that's probably what they expect yeah so yep. you got to be ready for that and you got to think about it it's like who's going to survive well the ones that are not embracing um looking at those um little attributes to make it a little bit more special experience um you know where are they going to be i don't know um i think the ones that um are going to succeed in this business um it's it's hard to say that um you know, the, the wheel's been created in the restaurant business a long time ago, and it's hard to recreate it. But how can you make it better? How can you make it smoother? How can you make it more effortless? And I think everyone wants an effortless experience where it's just easy. I go yeah. to, a, I mean, and we all lived it. We lived the pandemic. But then we lived the, the 21 where you walk in 21 where you walk up to a restaurant. Staffing is such an issue that it was almost anxiety when, when you talk to your significant other about going out for dinner, it's like, uh-huh. I want to be two hour away. Uh, let's go to one of my restaurants, honey. Cause I know we'll get right in. So we've, we've lived, we've lived that you don't, but think about that, like fast forward and, and continue on. What did you learn from that? If people don't want to have to work um, and they want to have to consider it work when they go out, how do you make yeah. it easier? How do you make it easier to make a reservation? How do you make it easier to, to 
have the things that you love? How do you make it easier for them to get in and out from a payment processing? How do you know from your favorite server? Like all those things are components that we're always looking at. And there's a ton of manual intervention. Yeah. Smaller the restaurant, easier the manual manual intervention is. Okay. The bigger these 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 restaurants are, and we've got some pretty large ones, the harder it is for that individual manual intervention. So that's leveraging all those tools that we talked about. And there's plenty of them out there. There's great ones that will really help you understand that when I make a reservation, they should know when I've been there right now. They should know when I've been there in the last time. They should know some of my favorite profiles and they should know me by name. And yep. I think if you focus on those things, it's still person. It's, it's personalizing that experience and it's making it that much better. And if you become great at that, you're going to have a leg on the competition. Yeah, well, and part of why you, during 21 you went out to your restaurants is you knew you were going to get what you needed. And and unfortunately, more and more that that doesn't exist, that cheers factor. So that's a really good point. We had some real specific pillars in, you know, 20, you know, moving out of the pandemic into now and still following them. And part of that is, you know, think about if a guest and this is this is operations, this is leadership and this is also technology if you go to if if i go to a restaurant with my two kids and it's a 45 minute wait the chance of me sticking around is uh, slim. if I, it's a 20 yep. minute wait i'm gonna i'm gonna be there all the time so it's really yep. leveraging those things um to to make the experience easier for our guests so yeah no and i i can see computers enabling that i mean i, I was talking to somebody last week at Mertech, uh, and and just the the idea that I can even call into the host stand and figure out what my real time is going to be. That when yes. I go to third-party delivery or I order, I'm going to get the Domino's pizza experience, even if I'm sitting in the dining room. I can see when the order got put into the kitchen. I can see when it hit yep. the hit the fire line. I can see when it's coming out. So I can control my experience so that I know with my four kids what the guest experience is going to look like because I know how awful it is when I have that bad experience. I was at a brand that we do business with just this week, and I had an hour and 45-minute dinner. And it shouldn't have been an hour and 45 minute dinner. It should have been an hour dinner for our party of seven, but it was bad. And it's now got my wife going, do we want to go back there? And it was a regular spot for us, but because of that guest experience, it turns into this, this desire to, you know, to consider maybe I should go somewhere else. Yeah. It turns into that question. You never want that. You want to be, you want to be consistent, but you want to be reliable and that's the name of the game. So how do you continue to get better at that? Absolutely. Well, how do people learn more about you? How do people learn more about XRG? You know, experience the brands. You know, figure out what cities they're in, and uh, and you know, how how can they engage with you, your team, and uh, and experience the restaurants that I've gotten the privilege to grow up uh, going into, and still get to get a chance to go to every time I'm uh, in a town well, with them. Go to our website. It has it all there. It has all. It even has our new brands on there already. Our our, our crack IT team, with, with obviously your your guys' help. Jeremy, we already have all our, our, our new restaurants on the website. Go to there. And what you're going to learn about is you're going to learn about some of the great history that maybe you don't know, like El Torito, 69 years strong. I mean, it's awesome. Think about that. How many other restaurant brands have been around that long? They are the founder of Mexican food restaurant in Southern California and founder of many firsts from Taco Tuesday to your first frosty margarita, the first table side guacamole. All, I could keep going on. You'll learn that there, but you'll learn where we are too. You have the map and you can show exactly where we're out through the United States. Obviously, California is our base, uh-huh. always will be, but we um, are growing in other markets and we're growing strong in other markets and we're, we're becoming well known um, in, in several different markets. But if you go there, 
you can learn a couple of things. You learn about our, our, our leadership team, who we are. You learn about um, our restaurants, the history of our restaurants and where we're at. I love it. I love it. Well, Randy, I know it's been a long time, uh, long time coming, getting you on the, on the show. So I appreciate you spending a little bit of time to our listeners, guys. I know that you guys have got choices. So thank you guys for uh, listening. Randy, thanks for being on the show and uh, make it a great day. No, thank you so much, Jeremy. It's always great to spend some time with you and looking forward to doing it again soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. You got take care. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast. Visit restauranttechnologyguys.com for tips, industry insights, and more to help you run your restaurant better.